Good morning and happy Sabbath, church family. I want to thank each and every one who has participated so far in the service. I especially love that last song. That's a theme that is very near and dear to my heart. We need a better grasp of who our God is. And so this morning I want to spend some time with you, challenging you. Who do you say that Jesus, the Son of God, is? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this invitation to come near the heart of God. Lord, we have some faulty pictures of you. But we are delighted, O oh Lord, that you love us enough to still keep welcoming us into your midst. And so we join you this morning. We ask, Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds. I ask you that you hide me behind your cross, that you speak to us, O oh Lord. And when we hear, may we be more than just hearers of the word. May we be doers. And may we be blessed and bless others. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we navigate these times that we're living, it's becoming increasingly clear we need a better picture of God. We need a better view. We need to have a greater understanding of how God deals with us. And when he does things to understand what it is he's trying to do. Too often, when God is acting for our best interest, we are running the other way. We are blaming him for things. We're not seeing the bigger picture. In reality, we're not trusting God to do what he knows is best. And so this morning, I want you to turn with me just to catch a couple glimpses throughout the Bible of what this is and how we can learn from these examples that God has set before us. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Very familiar story. We know this, right? Adam and Eve were placed in a garden. And they do the unthinkable. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Isn't it interesting? Who we think he is, who we think the Lord God is, determines what we think we are. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they realized suddenly their eyes were open, and they said they were naked. 
What do they mean by that? They looked at their physical being and said, we are now ashamed. What was covering their physical being before? God's righteousness. So what we see here is that man, right from the get-go, the minute sin came into the world, man has always been trying to deal with his spiritual problem through physical means. Are we that way today? When God is trying to send us a message, when God is trying to reach our hearts, when we have a problem, are we trying to solve it through physical means, when in reality our problem could be spiritual? You see, the issue for God is not sin. God can deal with sin. He will deal with sin. The issue God has is us. What does sin do to us? How does sin affect us? And the reality is sin changes our perception of God. We sin because we doubt God. We sin because we want to be independent of God. We want to make our own decisions, and He will let you make them. But we also have to bear the consequences, do we not? We sin because we think our actions don't matter. It's what's the big deal. In the scope of things, it's no big deal. Well, it's only a little lie. God will understand. God knows I have to do this, I have to do that. We always think God understands. And that's the truth. He does, but do we understand Him? Do we understand when God comes to us, are we like Adam and Eve, running away? What was God trying to do? God was trying to tell His children, even though they have messed up, He was there to give them the solution to their problem. And what were they doing? Running away, hiding from God. Sin does that to us. We have this love for sin, and each time we indulge in this, it has the tendency to change our attitude, our mindset towards God. So when God is coming to help us, we think He's coming to condemn us. When God comes with the solution, we think He is our problem. And we have to change that. Time is way too short for us to not understand the ways of our God. God loves us. He is for us. And we need to get a clearer picture of Him. If you think God is out to condemn you, then when you sin, you will feel like what? He's condemning you. But is that the picture that the Bible paints of God? Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk, I'm going to paraphrase, who walk not according to their physical reality. 
but according to the spiritual reality that is in Christ Jesus. Are you getting that? When we sin, we look at it from a physical standpoint, and God wants us to realize He is on the job, and He wants us to keep seeing ourselves through His physical or spiritual reality. It makes a difference. Because if I keep looking at my faults and my shortcomings, I will never think God is on my side. In fact, the devil will make sure that I feel ashamed, I feel condemned, and I will want to run from God when he's wanting me to run to him. Your current predicament does not determine who your God is. Family, we need to see him differently. Who we say he is determines what we think he will do for us. Who we say he is determines what we think he will do for us. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. Again, a very familiar story, but I want us to see the pattern of what sin does, what iniquity does in our lives. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 through 20. Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. It says, So the people stood afar off. <laughs> the people still, even after Moses said that, said, No, 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 no. You go talk to God, we'll stay back here. At Mount Sinai, God is about to visit his children that he has rescued from Egypt. Think about this. He sent ten plagues upon the Egyptians. He freed his people with his mighty right hand opened the Red Sea for them to walk through on dry land, drown the armies of Pharaoh, turn bitter water sweet, rain bread from heaven to them, provided water out of the rock for them, defeated the Amalekites before them, and he brought them near to Sinai. And what was the people's response? If he comes near us, we will die. Would God have done all of that if his intention was to kill his people? And yet, are we any different than they are? How many things have God brought us through? How many times has he delivered us from the messes that we have created? And yet, we doubt him. We stumble and we fall, and the first thing we think is, God is going to destroy me. I'm never going to get to heaven. 
Iniquity does this. And if we are not going to force our minds to accept the correct picture that God has given us, this heart will keep deceiving us time and time and time again. So when God is wanting to come near us, we're going to think he's here to condemn us. And what a sad reality that is. Jesus is about to come near his people again. The time is right around the corner, and the Bible calls it the tribulation. How will you react when he comes near you then? It's interesting that if you ask people, does God love you? Is God for you? And they, everyone will say yes. Do you know what the most feared book is in the Bible? What's the most feared book in the Bible? Revelations. What's the title for the book of Revelation? The revealing of who? Do you see that we have already, we are falling into this the same as Israel of old? The book of Revelation is to reveal to us Jesus, and most of us are terrified thinking, how are we going to survive it? As if God would have taken us through all this, go through all this effort to fix the sin problem, only to destroy his children. What kind of messed up thinking do we have going on sometimes? And this is what we say, this is the God we are serving? That is not the God of heaven. He is not against us. He is for us. And everything he does is for our best interests. When will we tell the devil, I don't want that thought you're putting in my head about God. That is not the true picture of God. I might feel condemned, but I know better. My God does not treat me that way. That is not the picture of God. When are we going to fight back this way as children of the living God? Is he for you or is he against you? What are you basing that on? As a sinner who has no right to be before you, I can tell you I've had to change my view of God. Because yes, I used to think my job as a Christian was to do all I can to get to heaven. Do you know what the Bible says about getting to heaven? Turn with me to Ephesians. Let's look at that for a moment. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 7. Now, most of us know the most famous verse that's quoted from Ephesians 2. Right? That's found in verse 8. For by grace we have been saved through faith. All right? And not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. We know that verse. What about the verses before that? 
When was the last time we looked at those verses? Let's look at verse 4. Start at verse 4. But God who is what? I can barely hear you. God who is rich in mercy. Is your God rich in mercy towards you? My God is. You guys might be quiet out there, but my God is rich in mercy towards me. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Question for you. Where does God see us? Read that again. Verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together where? Where does God see us? In heaven, in who? In Christ. Is Christ your Savior? Then why are you trying to get to heaven if Christ is your Savior? Where does it say God has already placed you in Christ? In the heavenly places. I'm not trying to trick you folks. It's just reading what it says. Christ, God the Father, has placed us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But again, we tend to look at this through our physical reality instead of our spiritual reality. Our physical reality does not require us to live by faith because we can see it. God says you have to have faith to walk with me, to please me. So therefore, God is asking us to see what he's doing for us through wish lens, the spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality is God has already placed us in heaven, and most of us are trying to get where God has already placed us. The goal of the Christian is to stay where God has placed you, not try to get where he has already placed you. That's, in, that's iniquity. That's messed up thinking. And we've got to see where that's coming from. The enemy wants to distort our picture and reality of God. God has done so much for us, and we, think, we still think we have to do it ourselves. Many Christians are still going around thinking they're saved by faith and works. Whose works? Yours? That's useless works. So if God has placed us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, it says he raised us up. So most of us are looking forward to that physical resurrection. That does not require faith. What does this verse say God has already done? Raised us up when? When he raised up Jesus. Am I losing you? 
God the Father has already seen us as resurrected and sitting in heaven with his Son at his right hand. And we, his people, are saying, no, 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 no. I got to see it through the physical reality. We are making life difficult for us. We are allowing the devil to play games with our minds, feed us things we have no business thinking about God. And all of this because we're not living by the faith that God has asked us to live by. And if we don't believe God is doing these things for us, we will try to do them ourselves. And our righteousness, the Bible has already told us, is as filthy rags. It gets us nowhere. I'm challenging you this morning. Will you accept what God is doing for you? Look at verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Carrying on with the same theme. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Come on. All spiritual blessings, some say every spiritual blessings where? In heavenly places in Christ. Is it possible that a lot of us are asking for spiritual, physical blessings when God is saying that's not what you need. What you need is spiritual blessings. In other words, we can be praying and there's some things we'll never get the answers for because we want the physical reality and God is offering us the better thing, the spiritual reality. And therefore, we're missing out on a lot of blessings that God has in store for us because we don't have the faith to see and accept what God is offering. You remember the story in Luke 5 about the paralytic? Paralyzed from how long? And his four friends in desperation, faith takes him to Jesus and wants Jesus to heal his physical reality. What did Jesus say he needed? Man, your sins are forgiven you. What the healing he needed was spiritual, not physical. And if you let God heal you spiritually, you get the physical with it. If we accept the, the gifts of God, the blessings of God from the spiritual level, we get everything else with it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the spiritual. And how many things he's going to add to you? Oh, everything else comes with it. Why are we desiring the lesser when he's offering us more? Because we keep wanting to see God through our physical reality. And God is asking us to exercise that measure of faith that he has given us and see what he's wanting to do in our lives through the spiritual reality. So God has placed us in heaven already. 
Many of us are home and we don't even know it. And if you don't know that you're home, you're going to do a whole lot of complaining, trying to get someplace where you're at. And so when Christians are supposed to be the happiest people on earth, some of us are the most miserable because we don't realize our spiritual reality. My physical reality does not define me. Your physical reality does not define you. Your spiritual does. We must believe God just as Abraham did. Again, we know these stories, but we are not connecting these dots. The Bible does not say Abraham believed God and so he worked his way to heaven to, or to the promised land. It says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Why are we trying so hard to be righteous when all God is saying is just believe me, I will make you that. And we get disappointed with ourselves and with our failures and with our shortcomings. And we walk away from God. We do like the children of Israel. No, Moses, you go talk to him. We're going to stay right back here. Because if we get too close, he's going to destroy us. After all that he has done for us, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. That's past tense. That's a done deal. Come on, brothers and sisters, we've got to do better than that. We've got to start believing him and taking him at his word. We're making life more difficult for ourselves, and it doesn't have to be. Hebrews says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham believed God, and he waited for God to give him what God said he would give him. And indeed, one day, Abraham is going to see that, yes, he has a numberless throng. His seed is like the sands of the sea. God is faithful, and all he's asking for us is hold on to that faith. Do not doubt what he wants to do for you. He wants each and every one of us to be with him. And he has made provisions for such a thing. Jesus, the surety. He came, he died, he lived the perfect life. 
Death could not hold Jesus because there was no sin in him. Do you know what that means then if you are in Christ Jesus? Oh. Do you know why it's so important for us to be baptized? Baptism is not just the washing away of our sins. Baptism is marriage. Do you understand marriage in the biblical sense? In the biblical sense, marriage means that you can't do anything to the wife and to the children unless you do it first to the head of the house. Do you know anybody who can do anything against the head of our house? Who is the head of our house? It's Christ. He is our husband. We are the bride. That means when you are looking at your sins and wondering if God can forgive you, God says, I, don't even, I can't even look at you that way. I have to look at you through your husband. And your husband is perfect. Therefore, God sees us just that way. And here we are wrestling, fighting with ourselves. The devil is playing games with us, and it's time for us to say what? Devil, no. I'm going to accept the picture that God has given me of who I am. So who is your God? The one who's after you or the one who has delivered you? I want to conclude by saying to you today, God loves you. God has done everything for us that he could do. And it's up to us to accept it. So I pray that you will see God as the God who is rich in mercies towards you. I pray you see him as the God who provides all your needs. I pray you see him as the God who wants you in his life. I pray you see him as the God who has already placed you in the heavenly places. I pray you see him as the God who delights in you. I pray you see him as the God who can you can let complete the work he has started in you. Will you accept what he says you are? Will you accept what he's wanting to do for you? Will you accept where he has placed you? And last, will you accept his vision of you? If you're wanting to do that, if you're tired of the image that the devil has given you of God, will you raise your hand and say, I want a new vision. Lord, I want your vision of me. Because that one is a good one. Let's pray. Father, you know, before we even ask, that we need a new picture of you. We need one, O oh Lord, uncontaminated by sin and the father of it. We need a picture of you as was given to us by Christ Jesus. And Lord, you're just asking that we let this mind be in us that was in Christ. 
His desire was only to be in communion with his Father. Lord, make that our desire. We just want to be in communion with you. We just want to be one who claims your promises, believes your promises, and enjoys the blessings of your promises. Father, we want to be ambassadors for you who reflect you as you really are to the world around us. May they see in our lives, O Lord, a God who is for us. May they not see in us fear and trembling of our God. Father, forgive us for not trusting you more. But we're asking you today, O Lord, to cement this picture that you have given us in our hearts and in our minds. We want to thank you again for this love you have for us, this undying love, this love that is stronger than death itself. May we hold you close and thank you for being so patient with us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.